we're talking about Pete. What book did he write? To the power of the Holy Spirit. First Peter and and Second Peter. Good. Okay. Um, and what was he in Christ? What, what was he called? Peter and First First Peter one one apostle. First Peter one one Peter and apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. What's an apostle? Do you know what apostle is? It's a it's a sent messenger. It's a messenger that's sent purposely uh, by God. Okay, an apostle. Okay, that that also we're going to learn today that also he had all kinds of uh, all the apostles except Peter was the leader. They have all kinds of duties. They have all kinds of incredible through the power of Jesus. They were given the authority. That's that's what the apostle mean. They're given the authority by Jesus. Okay, to be able. To cast out demons, cast out demons, and and uh, and heal and everything, because it's Jesus that's doing it through him. Okay, and the reason that they were given that is because in that time, as Jesus was walking the earth, miracles just mean sign. Okay, a miracle means a sign. Okay, when you see a sign, okay, it it tells you it points to something. Okay, it points to something, and miracles pointed to that Jesus Christ is God. He's not just a charismatic preacher. He's just not a teacher. He's just not walking around the earth for, you know, 33 years, okay? He's, he's actually God, okay? And that he is deity. And so all of these signs pointed, all these miracles pointed to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, sent from God, Son of God. Okay, so that's why it was such a miracle-infested time. So that they would know that Jesus is God. Okay, and the apostles were also given authority to use those miracles uh, as such through the power of Jesus in them. Okay, uh, okay, so that's that's a little bit about what an apostle is. Last week we started on meeting Pete, and we were going through the Gospels because if you open up to First Peter one one, it says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to know who Peter is because he wrote this. These two books in about about early 60s A.D. In other words, about 64, when it was the Neronian Empire. Nero is a big, big, mean guy, okay, of Rome. He was awful, right? He hated Christians. He used them and abused them, and he... They were always under all kinds of uh, persecution, and he used them as torches that were lit when they were living around pools, and I mean, just horrendous things that were they were persecuted and they suffered for the cause of Christ. This is when First Peter is written. This is when Peter is writing this letter to the Christians, okay, who have come to Christ uh, when he spoke at. Pentecost, okay? When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and then he was able to speak the Holy Spirit through him and 3,000 souls plus women and children were saved, okay? And so, this is the dude. This is Peter. And we learned from last week that <laughs> that he was, uh, you know, ordinary fisherman in Galilee. He was the second one chosen, right? Who was first chosen? Remember his brother? Andrew, his brother Andrew was the first one chosen, okay. He's leading an ordinary life, walking along the beach, okay, and and something quite unordinary, extraordinary, I should say, happened to him, okay. Extraordinary happened to him. And he met this charismatic preacher called Jesus Christ, okay, of Nazareth, and it changed his life forever. And that's what happens when we each come to know him. 
right? When we each come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, it changes our life forever. Forever and ever and ever. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. He is the life changer. He's the life giver. And so, Peter, as we were going through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John last week, he was captivated by Jesus. Just captivated. He was passionate about him, okay? Um, he was captivated by his personality. He was captivated by everything that, you know, about him. And, and you know, they had many, many, many talks. Peter is the most mentioned apostle in the Gospels, okay? Uh, he became the leader uh, of the whole, you know, 12 that were called. And, and he was, you know, the leader then of the apostolic group, meaning the apostles. And he... Um, you know, as, as this incredible special messenger that, that of Jesus Christ delegated for authority to do specific tasks that Jesus appointed to him, okay? He, he I, I love how God doesn't change your personality, right? He just, he just takes that personality and uses it for our good and for his glory. And so he was a natural born leader and then he continued to just walk, hey sweet, to walk in the power of him, okay? And so... When Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels, it's mentioned more than any other disciple. Okay? Mentioned more than any other disciple. And it's mentioned more other than the name of Jesus. Jesus is mentioned first, then Peter second. And then we learned that Jesus rebuked Peter the most, but he also did what with Peter the most? Praised. Excellent, Cheryl. He rebuked him, but he praised him. Doesn't that give you hope? Right? He rebukes you, but he praises you. Right, and and um, Peter confessed Jesus more boldly. He just, you know, he was a blurter by just his nature, wasn't he? Just, whoa, you know, he blurted. He just was passionate, a passionate blurter, and he confessed Jesus. Um, he more boldly and directly than any other disciple. But on the other hand, he denied Jesus more boldly. He denied Jesus, okay, forcefully and publicly, okay, than any other disciple. And and I look at Peter and I say, "Thank you, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord, for him. Thank you for his um, how you how you brought him uh, to this place for for calling him from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. Thank you. It gives me such courage. It gives me such hope because it's you that's doing it in and through Peter. And even though we stumble, if you notice how Peter stumbled, okay, as we read through the Gospels last week, how he stumbled many times, did Jesus ever say, oh, Peter, you know what? You're not worth it. Never. 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 It didn't ever, right? And, and, And even when Peter stumbled, it wasn't like, he was rescinding his faith. Right? And so Jesus didn't give up on Peter, and Peter didn't give up on Jesus. Right? And that's just how we are to walk through this life. This is how we're to walk with him. Right? Your eye is on him, and at times you stumble, but he never gives up on you, and you never give up. My mom used to always say, Margo, as long as I'm hanging on to daddy's hand, my father's hand, he can take me anywhere he wants to, because I know that I can trust him. Just keep hanging on to that hand. And that's what Peter did, even though he'd stumble at times, okay? And so we learned last week how, it, just in, in quick summary, how um, uh, out of Mark 1 uh, that uh, Jesus woke up early in the morning to go and pray, and who went to hunt for him? Pete. Pete, absolutely. Meet Pete did. Excellent, okay? And then he put out his nets, okay, in the direction of Jesus to catch a massive catch of fish. Remember he did that? He said, okay, if you say so, 
I'll do that. If you say so, I'll do that, all right? Then this week, you're to read Matthew 10, 1 through 42. And I hope you had a chance to read that because it was a unique outreach trip that we're going to look into for a bit um, with the other disciples, okay? It was their first sending out of the disciples, okay? Then in Matthew 14, we learned how uh, they were in a... um, uh, in a raging storm in the boat and Jesus came walking across and they thought it was a ghost, remember? Ah! And Jesus said, come on, come on. And Peter goes, alright. And he had to step from his, his weight on the foot in the boat to his weight on his foot on the sea, on the raging sea. And he did. And he walked out of the boat and he kept his eyes on Jesus and kept walking and then he looked around and he went down. But, what did he say? Lord, save me. Lord, save me, right? He knew it was him. Lord, save me. And what is he going to do? No, sorry, Peter, you took your eyes off me. No. He immediately lifted him up. And he was the only one who walked on water with Jesus, okay? And he was the one who proclaimed that Christ was the Messiah out of John 6. He saw Jesus transfigured in glory. Do you remember that with Elijah? We covered with Elijah and Moses, right? As they were standing on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter's like, oh, I'll build three shelters. Right, and we'll just stay here forever, right? And Jesus tells him to get on with it. All right, he's the one who said, "Okay, you know, Jesus, how many times do we need to forgive the same offense over and over and over again?" I could just hear him asking, and you know, because he said, "You know, Peter thought seven times was pretty much." Now, I'm sure some of you in walking through some situations with people that you might think seven times is pretty much, right? Right, seven times is pretty much, and then Jesus says, "No, no, no." No, I don't. It's, it's, it's infinitum. Okay? It's seven times seven. It's forever. Okay? As much as you're, you need to forgive. Because that's who I am. Okay, so he was able to ask that, right? Um, he was the one who had asked Jesus um, after the encounter with the rich young ruler that Jesus had. Okay? Then he asked him, well, what are the disciples going ha- to receive for, you know, giving up everything to follow you? Okay? So who was he focused on there? Himself, right? How does this affect me, Jesus, right? Instead of how can I serve you, all right? And then um, he was the one who insisted to be washed where? All over, right? Not just his feet. Jesus comes in, he's washing his feet, and Peter's like, oh no, if you're just going to wash my feet. I mean, I am unclean everywhere, Jesus. You have to wash all of me, right? Or as he said, head, head, head and hands. Meaning that he was, and he's like, no, 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 no. You just need this, Peter. You just need this because you're already clean in me. He heard Jesus predict that Peter was going to deny him. Okay, three times. And what did Peter say about that? Oh, no. Oh, no, you are wrong. Not a good thing to say. You are wrong, Jesus, okay? When he's omniscient, no, okay, he's God. Not a good thing to say. You are wrong, right? I mean, he's like, even if I have to what? Die. Die. Even if I have to die with you, I will never, ever, 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 ever. Your kids ever say that? I will never, ever do that again, Mom. Never, ever, 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 ever. Like when, when Tori was three, she walked around. Never, ever, Mom. Never, ever will I do that again. Never, ever. <laughs> and I look at her and I go, okay, never is a long time. Never, ever is a really, really long time. You know, you might not want to use the words never, ever, or, you know, um, you know, forever, or, you know, because it's for a long, long, long time. That means you will never, ever. That's what you're saying, right? And she's like, I never, and when she goes, she go, I didn't never, ever. <laughs> this is big, big, dark eyes. 
I didn't never ever. I'm like, no, we don't never ever. We need to ask forgiveness again, don't we? And forgive. And yeah. So, I mean, that is Peter, though. Isn't that Peter? You know, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, okay? And the rest, but, but the cool part is, Peter's a bold one, right? That goes ahead, and then what do the rest of the disciples do? Uh huh. I agree. I, I'm with him. Me too. I, I, we wouldn't do that either. Because it says, and the rest of the disciples agreed. Okay? So you're getting a picture of Peter. Okay? Now, I want you to go to John 18, because we're going to see five more verses of who Pete is. Okay? John 18. Uh, and this is, uh, this is, you guys, it's Palm Sunday on Sunday, right? Yeah. This Sunday? Okay. Uh, John 18. I just love Easter time, don't you guys? Oh, thank you, Lord. As much as I love Christmas, I really love Easter. John 18, okay, 1 through 11. Let's just, let's just look at this because this is, this is good old Pete, all right? So, okay, when he had finished praying, Jesus left, okay, once again, Jesus, right? When Jesus had finished praying, notice he's praying again. Jesus left with the disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and he and his disciples went into it. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. His prayer closet, okay? So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, because he's what? Omniscient, right? Went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Don't you love that part? Don't ever forget that part. When he says, I am he, they're ready to come and arrest him, right? And he says, I am, right? I, like, I am the great I am. I am he. I mean, there is power in those words as he's saying it. So much power that they drew back and fell to the ground because they're before the Son of God. Again, he asked them, don't you love that? Now they're on the ground. Remember, visualize this. He drew back and now they're on the ground. And Jesus standing over him and he's saying, uh, who is it you want? <laughs> and they're like, oh, what's going to happen to us now? What's going to happen to us now? Right? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then, who, who, who was there? Simon Peter. Then, Simon Peter, who had a what? Not good in Peter's hand, right? Not good, right? Then. Yeah, a little impulsive. Yes, a little impulsive. Okay, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. I like when they put that. Here's a poor guy's name in parentheses, right? And Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Right? So, Peter passionately wants to defend who? Jesus. Right, because he's so in love with him. He's seen everything that's going on. He, it's changed his life forever. And he's just sort of bumbly-wumbly. He thinks that this is what he should do. You know, these people are going to take my Jesus. And he's not understanding, because we're on this side of the cross and the resurrection. Okay, Peter's on this side of the cross and the resurrection. Okay, and Jesus has been telling him and been telling him and sharing and everything. But still, it's not computing. 
Okay? And and all these people are coming to arrest him. He sees that I am he. He knows he's the son of God. He's already proclaimed that. He sees that these people are on the ground. And he knows that something incredible is happening. And he's a part of it. But not with my Jesus. Right? And so he just he just reacts. Instead of acting rightly, he reacts to defend him. And he gets out his sword and whoosh, whoosh, and wow, he must have been pretty good because he just cut off his right ear. Thankfully, it wasn't... Well, Jesus could restore his whole head as well. <laughs> Malchus, here's your head. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Malchus. Peter's a little you know, a little passionate about me. And yeah, he gets a little compulsive. And here, there you go, Malchus. Can you imagine, Malchus? Do you think Malchus believed he was the Son of God? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love... Can you just see Jesus? He's like... Yeah. And then and Peter Peter's standing there watching this in the compassion of Christ and knowing that you know that this that actually this is what is gonna happen. And then he commands I mean commands. He had a commanding voice, right? He says, Put your sword away. And why should now you know what he knew Peter was doing that because he loved him, right? Because he loved him. But he had to tell him to put his sword away. Because why? Peter was standing in the way of what? His father, of doing the will of his father that sent him. Peter was standing in the way of doing the will of the father that sent him. In other words, going to the cross. Okay, And so he, he says it this way, Shall I not drink the cup the father has given me? And in the Old Testament, when you use the word cup, it means wrath. Okay, the cup of this, the cup of that, the cup of this, it means wrath. Okay, shall I not drink the wrath? Meaning, if you don't know the father's wrath, you're never going to know the Father's love. In other words, the Father had to turn his back on his one and only beloved Son so that he would become sin for us, even though he knew no sin, so we could have a love relationship with him. So when you know God's wrath, you know God's love. Because that's what he did for us. That's what he did for us. And Jesus picked up the cup Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? He continued to pick up the cup, knowing full well that Peter's intentions were very sweet. But I need to do the will of the Father that sent me. Right? That's just like our lives, guys. When we continue to walk and walk and walk, knowing the will of the Father, the will of the Father, we want to obey. We want to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, right? And, and some people, well-meaning, well-intentioned. Want to turn your face this way or skew your face this way or have your thinking this way. You know, you got to keep your eyes right on the prize. Right on the prize. Because that's what he has for you. That's what he has for you. And Jesus the same way as all God piece of cake for him to do, right? All God piece of cake. All man, he had to learn obedience. He had to learn obedience. I mean, he took the sin of all mankind. He was fully human. Laid down a part of his glory, fully human, so that he could know. And so we could identify with God. Otherwise, there'd be no identifiable person that we could identify with that's human. And so Jesus came fully human and fully God to earth for us. So we could have a relationship. And so good old Pete, I love him, right? Cuts, I love that. Cuts off Melchus's ear and, and once, thank you Lord, he re- 
he restored it. And Jesus commands Peter to put your sword away. Okay, shall I not drink the cup? There's another sweet sign about Mr. Peter, okay? I want you to look at, uh, uh, let's see, um, Matthew 26. Go to Matthew 26. And this is 69 through 75. Matthew 26. I think it's 69. Let me see. Yeah, here he is. Okay. All right, now here's, what does his subhead say here? Yeah, or, or disowns. Mine says disowns. Does yours say disowns? Okay. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. Okay, now he wasn't close enough now to overhear, is he? Okay, he's sitting out. He's sitting away. Sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. With an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately what happened? Rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then what did he do? He went out and wept bitterly. Okay, when you go out and weep bitterly, you know it says in the Word of God, it says godly sorrow brings you to repentance. And repentance means you confess and go the exact opposite way. So at that point, at that point, Peter saw himself as he really was. He saw himself as he really was. And he denied Jesus three times swearing that he didn't even know what the what man the man and then refusing to even name the name of Jesus did you notice that he didn't even name the name of Jesus at that point and go ahead yes that was his way of sort of getting around denial by not saying I don't know Jesus by just saying I don't know the man so he didn't have to maybe in his mind like fully deny him? Yeah. Well, we do that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very typical. White (laughs) lie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Lie is lie is a lie, isn't it? Right? Whether it's a little tiny or big. And so he says, I don't even know the man. And these little girls are coming up to him saying, you know, I know, I'm sure the little girls are talking, I'm sure that's that great big fisherman dude that's everywhere Jesus is. I mean, remember, he's the leader of the disciples, of the apostles, right? Walking around. They're with Jesus a lot. They're seen all over the place. And and so, of course, he's going to be recognized as a guy who follows Jesus, right? Peter, James, and John's were, John were the three intimate ones with him all the time. So, so you know, and the, the sad thing is, is when, when you first read uh, in verse 69, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, okay? There was the problem. He wasn't close enough. He wasn't identifying with Jesus. He wasn't right there next to Jesus. He was sitting out in the courtyard. Okay? And so he wasn't close enough, like we did a couple years ago in retreat, to overhear him. To overhear him. Okay? And if he would have been, what happens is, is when we're not walking right there 
right there with him, what happens is, is we askew our head just a little bit. And then somebody comes up and says, well, aren't you one that just loves Jesus to pieces? Or aren't you this one or this, that, and everything? And it's somebody that, you know, you might not know or that um, it's from your company or from your husband's company or, or something in the secular area. And all of a sudden, you get this, well, yeah, I mean, I've been to those concerts before. Or, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen Third Day. Or, and all of a sudden, you have this tug on your heart where you don't want to stand for Christ. And it's because you've been in the courtyard. It's because you've been in the courtyard. That's why we need to have that non-negotiable face-to-face time with the Lord. That's why we're always proclaiming this. It tells in Deuteronomy to talk about it with your kids and you know, talk about it at night, in the morning, as you're walking upon the road, as you're laying down in bed. You know why? Because you're telling yourself that that's who he is. That's who he is to me. That's who he is. And you continue to, to reiterate to yourself that that's who Jesus is and that's what he's done in my life and I will continue to praise him. I will continue to walk that way. So you don't get out in the courtyard and then deny him. And deny him. Yes, Joan? Well, speaking of courtyard, um, there was a time when uh, I was the never, never denying Jesus place. And I was in the house singing um, and worshiping and praising the Lord out loud, but I had to go out the door to my car to get something, and I'm still singing and open the door, and I go out side, still singing, and I get to the name of Jesus and it's like, I love you and I'm outside huh. and, I was, uh-huh. and I was in my courtyard because I had a courtyard yep. but um, boy did God convict me because I in, in a simple thing is that in a song, all of a sudden, finding myself outside in public, there was this temptation to deny him. Yeah. And I went, and I was going to shout out, and I went, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I can tell it today, but I'll tell you, I was really ashamed. Yeah. I was, I felt like Peter. That was a wonderful example. Mm-hmm. A wonderful example. But it, you guys... Has that happened to every one of us? Every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us. And I mean, but what's so sweet is, is that you look back at that now and you learn from that. It's like, oh Lord, forgive me, forgive me, right? And you just walk, you know, boldly in that. You walk boldly. I mean, I remember times uh, when that, when um, we'd run across people at grocery stores or at the Y here or anything, and, and I would just say, oh, I'm going to pray for you, and we, or in the parking lot, wherever it is. And we just stop and pray. And I remember in the beginning when I would do that, um, like years and years ago, I would be a little hesitant. I would be a little, um, maybe this isn't appropriate, or, you know, and maybe, you know, I'm going to... I didn't think about offending anybody. I, I was thinking more about, well, is this appropriate? And... Yeah, yeah, that kind of word. That's good, Joe. Politically correct kind of thing. And now, you know, when when all you want is to please Jesus, right? All we're here to do is to become conformed to the likeness of his son, okay? And you're here to please him here, and you know what we're supposed to do in heaven? One of our jobs is to please him there. So as you're practicing pleasing him here, it's going to be a piece of cake pleasing him there, right? And so when you're just pleasing him here, Guess what? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Right? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Uh, we live uh, on a lake over here in Upper Oconomowoc, and there um, was a neighbor that moved in, and we 
play you know Christian music and CDs and all kinds of stuff and and uh, you know when when you live on a lake you know you're sort of close I mean you're, you're you go down it's sort of like a cul-de-sac around the lake kind of thing and and we'd have it on and this 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 and, and this is when I was on the fish and and uh, finally he just came up and he says you're that Jesus freak, aren't you, on the fish? And I'm like, yes, I am. Praise the Lord. I'm like, and, 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 and like, how did you know that? And he says, well, I hear you sharing Jesus and talking on the phone and this, this. And he goes, and I said, well, that's great. I said, do you know Jesus? Well, I grew up. And then he tells me a story. He tells me a story. And I said, well, you know what? I grew up that way, too. And I said, but, you know, you need to have an encounter with him where he becomes your Jesus. And I said, you know, I'm so thrilled that God put us right next to each other. That's great and great. Hasn't talked to me since. <laughs> wave and wave and say hi and, you know, friendly, but doesn't really, you know, come over too much anymore. But you know what? I know that I know. You know why? Because at this moment, I'm a what to him? I'm a stench to him. Right. Am I doing the stench? No. His response to me I'm a stench to him because I love Jesus, okay? But I know that I know, I know that I know that as it goes along, right, I'll be made into the aroma of Christ. Because to those who are being saved, and as we're praying that it be saved, those who are being saved, he'll become to Christ, right? And, and then we become this aroma. And all of a sudden they don't see you as a stench anymore, right? Then you're this aroma of Christ. But, but you know, what is that old saying that... Um, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to have you convicted? To be, have you convicted? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to indict you? That's pretty convicting, isn't it? That's pretty, and that's, and that's, you know, that's what Peter was struggling with. That's what you were stri- struggling with at that moment. And you know, it's funny because it's always in the moments. You know, and that's why you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. That's why you need to be, you know, in the Word. At least you did say Jesus. You might have not yelled Jesus, but you got it out. You know? You got it, <laughs> you got it out. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say the, the um, sweet thing about that, too, is that you felt convicted and ashamed. And I, I won't go into my story, but that happened to me. And I felt so awful because I denied him. And I couldn't believe I did it, you know, but it was just in that moment where I felt scared. It's in the moment, yep, yep. And I was like, Lord, please help me not to do that again. You know, I felt so awful. And you know what? He presented another opportunity for me, for me to then... Um, Have it redeemed. ...say his name and not deny him. Yeah. And then the Spirit, then I had the courage and the Spirit to, to say his name. Yeah. So he just gave, you know, he gives you that chance to redeem yourself. Yeah, he gives it, oh, he always does. Let's walk through this again, Margo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ote. <laughs> Ote, Jesus, right? I mean, but you guys, when you are aware of it, okay, when you are aware of that, when you are growing up in Christ, right, when you're becoming more and more like him and less and less like your putrid self, right, when you are aware of that, he will continue to give you all these wonderful opportunities to proclaim his name over and over and over again because he wants you to win he wants you to live an abundant life he wants you to be successful he wants you to, to walk through it with you know, inexpressible joy Okay, and when you proclaim the name of Jesus we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart right? that Jesus was raised from the dead right? then you're saved right? then you continue to walk in that you need to confess it right? and so 
That's so sweet. But when you decide beforehand, just like I tell my kids, you know, when you come right up to the temptation, if you're not deciding beforehand that you're not going to lie, you're not going to cheat, you're not going to steal, guess what? You're going to lie, you're going to cheat, you're going to steal. Because in that moment, you're going to do it. You need to decide beforehand that this is how you walk. This is how you walk. And this is what reinforces you, is the Word of God. The powerful Word of God with the Holy Spirit in you. I asked the Lord what was the scripture, and he said, guard your heart. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because it is the wellspring of life. Amen. Peter was in the courtyard. He wasn't close. He wasn't close. And so in his moment, he denied him. He denied him. And then the Lord had already known this, right? He already knew this would happen. And he gave him a sign, didn't he? That's what he gave him a sign. And that he immediately after the third time he heard the rooster crow. And that brought him back to his senses. Right? Just like the prodigal son. Right? When he came to his senses, that allowed him to turn around and go the opposite way. Right? And so he absolutely had godly sorrow. I mean, I am sure that big old fisherman just broke broke from what we just read. And so, that's another side of Peter. That's who Peter is. That's who's writing First Peter. I want you to look at um, John 20. Go to John 20. 1 through 10. And this is, uh, this is the empty tomb. The empty tomb. And, and of course, Peter is involved. So, er, uh, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So, she came running to whom? Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and who is that? John. And said, don't you want to be that person? And ran to the one who did, disciple whom Jesus loved, Margot. Right? <laughs> Jeannie, Barb, Deb, Becky, right? You, don't you want to be that person? Oh, absolutely. Well, exactly, but I mean, you know what, but I mean, he called, you're right, but I mean, he calls him out. You know what I mean? He, he like calls him out. I mean, he never talked about that about Peter. Even though he loved him, he never said the disciple. I mean, he was recognized by the one whom Jesus loved because I know that I know that John was the one who was right there next to Jesus all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. His beloved, intimate, is intimate, and he always said the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, that's that's his intimate. He loves us all. You're right, Lisa. But man. There's that intimacy that John and he had. It was phenomenal. Uh, let's see. Came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Okay. Here's, here's a slow motion. What is that movie? A chariots and fire. Oh, all right. Here's the movie, right? So Peter and the other disciples started running for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first because John was a fit dude. <laughs> he was also, when he talks about him, he talks about him a little more slight, okay? All right. At this point, you know what? I don't know how old he was at this point. Lisa, do you? I don't know how old he was here. Uh, if you wrote that in '64, um, I I would he couldn't have been any. I would say he wasn't any more older than Jesus. Maybe a little younger, even. I would think younger. Maybe a little younger. Maybe maybe a little younger. Because when he died, you know, we're gonna learn about that. When he died upside down on the cross, it was still during the Neronian Empire. So maybe a little younger than Jesus at the time. No, no. 
No, no. It's because... Good point, Gladys. It's because I'm thinking the guy liked his potatoes with his fish. (laughs) You know, um, so both are running. But the others... and, And isn't it funny that this is in here? Don't you think this is a hoot that this is? A, but, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. Okay, but do you notice what John didn't do? He didn't what? Didn't go in. Okay, not with Simon Peter. Then Simon, here, here's here's John, just like delicately, like like it's sacred. Oh oh oh, right. <laughs> then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. <laughs> John, move aside, dude. Move aside. We gotta see where Jesus says, Jesus, I know you're in here somewhere. Wait, is this really true? Is this what, what you said is really true? It's happening? Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Isn't that amazing? Folded up. Such a neat and tidy Jesus. Finally, oh, I should make sure I put this over here. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, also went inside. Now, all this time, Peter is already just scooping out this the cave, right? Joseph Arimathea's cave, right? In the, the grave. He's just like, wow, look at this. And, and I'm sure he's picking it all up. And he looks at this. And, and John is still like this. You see anything, Peter? <laughs> See anything, Peter? You know, he's still out there, right? So Peter is the leader. Peter, just the lead dog, just zooms right in. And then it says, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And then here is the key. He saw and what? Ah, yeah, he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Okay? All right, there's Peter. There's there's Peter. If they didn't believe from Scripture that he had... From Scripture. They they saw and believed, okay, that Jesus is not there, okay? So, you know, so he's saying that he was risen, okay? Okay. But that's all going to take place when the Holy Spirit comes upon him at Pentecost. Okay. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you're seeing with his eyes, right? And you're listening to what Jesus is saying, and so you're believing, okay? But when the Holy Spirit comes, now you're believing all the unseen, okay? Everything that... You know, has been and will be. Okay, and so and so Peter was the one who ran with John, right, the disciple of the tomb on the morning of the resurrection. All right, after the hearing of the report, because who was there first? John. No, no, who was there first at the grave? Mary. Women, women, <laughs> women were there first, right? Women, right there. Wait a minute, we know why? Because they're servant hearts, relational servant hearts. I have to take care of the body. I have to take care of the body. I have to make sure to take care of the body. The women are there first, right? Always there first. And then the women ran back to tell them, right? Is that so sweet? The Lord let women, women seem first, right? Or share first. All right, and, and report that the women, that the body of Jesus was not in the tomb. The cool part about it is that, is that Peter and John believed the women. They believed the women, okay, and went to look for him himself because they knew how close those women were to Jesus, right? How sweet is that? How sweet is that? Okay, so look, go back to Luke. There are two more I want you to see Peter because Peter is a big old one that ran in and made sure to go in Jesus' tomb first. Luke 24, uh, 34. Just read, whoever finds it, just read aloud.
Say it again, hun. One more time. It is true. The Lord has risen and has Excellent. Okay, how cool is that? All right, it is true. All right, he was the one. Simon Peter was the one who received a personal visit from the resurrected Jesus on the day of the resurrection. Okay? Jesus appears to Simon Peter. Okay? How sweet is that? And then lastly, and so he, so he saw the resurrected Jesus, right? Peter saw the resurrected Jesus. Through all of his bumbling, stumbling, denial, everything, what does Jesus do? Appears to him after the resurrection. Resurrected body, the whole, I mean... Unbelievable, Peter. I'm restoring you, right? I am who I say I am, you know. And then, lastly, um, uh, let's see. I, it's all of John 21, but let's just just go to John 21 for a minute, please. John 21. Well, let's you know what? Let's just look at the end of it because this is really when. When Peter is receiving a public restoration from Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, and so in 15 it says, When they had finished eating, and I always love this because you guys think about this. When they had finished eating, in other words, Jesus always fills our human needs, doesn't he? That's why you go out in the name of Jesus and help people. Right? And give them food and give them water and give them and give them clothes and give them shelter and, and like like touch twice with the people, you know, that when we were at Oakwood and I mean in Westbrook. That kind you always do because he always met just like when he would speak to the crowds and he wouldn't just leave them, he'd say, We have to feed them, right? He always, always um, fills our human needs. And then and then when we see how incredibly loved we are by our human needs, then he teaches us all truth. He brings us into all truth, okay? Because you're, if a person is sitting there and they're thinking about their roaring stomach, okay? If they're thinking about how starving they are, are they going to be listening to you? No. Think about your kids even. I mean, Tori comes home and she's famished. I mean, she attractions and she's famished. And I'm like, okay, Tori, well, you know, Get something to eat. Mom, I'm just so hungry. Great. There's yogurt. There's string cheese. There's, you know, chips. There's, you know, some good multigrain crack. Great. Mom, you don't understand. Honey, great. I mean, it's like she can't even talk to me until she's had something to eat. And she's very, very slight. Okay? And so, you know, there, there's not going to be much communication between Tori and I until Tori has some satiation going on in her physical body. Okay? And if you notice, all throughout the Word of God, Jesus always, always met the physical needs. And then he spoke. And then he spoke. He says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And these could be, you know, his nets, the fishing, other disciples. We don't know. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. See, if you love Jesus, he's saying, you know what, then you'll feed the word. You'll feed him the word. Okay, if you love me, then you'll feed him the word. Okay, so feed my sheep. Uh, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? 
He said, Lord, you know all things, because now he obviously knows God is God, right? You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And you know, every single time Peter said, of course you know I love you, of course you know. And Jesus is asking him three times because you know why? Not only to reinstate him with the three times that he had denied him, but you know why? Peter knew the only right answer to say is yes. When Jesus says to you, do you love me, Margo? Well, yeah. What are you saying? No. I mean, you've been walking with Jesus all this time. You've been walking, seeing the miracles, doing this. I mean, you know that he's the son of God. And what am I going to say? No. And so it's very easy to say a quick yes. And so Jesus goes, no, I mean, do you really love me? I mean, do you love me enough to feed my sheep? To take care of my lambs? And then Peter's like, well, you know all things. Well, No, I mean, do you really love me? I mean, do you really love me? See, the conviction is being heaped on like burning coals. It's very easy to say yes, isn't it? Just don't, of course you do. No, 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 no. Let's go to the next level. And let's go to the next level. And you know, I can just see his penetrating eyes looking at Peter. I can just see him. Maybe even holding his cheeks. I mean, do you love me? Then take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. And then he says, and he tells him how he's going to die. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. See that? The kind of death that what? Would glorify God. Okay. The kind of death that would glorify God. So what do you think as a Jesus follower our death does? It glorifies him. Right? He says, he says um, I think it's Psalm 119. He says, um, the, uh, the death of one of his saints... Oh, come on, Lisa, what is it? In the eyes of the, blessed, is, blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Okay? Look what he says. By which Peter would glorify... The kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. See, life and death are chosen by him. Right? Every single day is ordained before one of them's come to be, it says in Psalm 139. Okay? And in my choices and obedience, and, and that all glorifies him. It all glorifies him, right? And he chooses what death is going to glorify him the most. How cool is that? It's just not for Peter, okay? And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, this is so us, right? He's just... Looked in the tender eyes of Jesus. He's just Jesus has just bared his soul to him and told him follow you know to feed my sheep and do you really love me? He's brought him back and brought him into conviction and had him in the moment with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, John's there, one of the other disciples. You know, John was already obeying Jesus. He was already there following him. And what does Peter do? Peter sees him and says, "Lord, what about him? <laughs> is this is this see?" You're becoming more and more like him, and then your putrid self pukes out, doesn't it? 
Right? I, I mean, the tender moment, you're becoming more, just like you're in the Word in the morning, you do this, this, and oh Lord, oh absolutely, I'm becoming into this, and then something, and you're like, what about that? And you're like, oh, it was awful. Oh, look at my, I just puked out of myself. Oh, Lord, forgive me, right? Peter just goes, right, Lord, what about him? Obviously, he took his eyes off Jesus and started comparing, didn't he? Okay, in other words, you know, if if you're telling me about my death, what about this dude, right? And he says, um, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, may hear an amen, wouldn't that be the coolest, right? Until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Right? This is your race. You run the race I've given you. You keep your eyes on the prize. You run the race, Peter. I have chosen you for this moment, for this time. I've chosen John for this moment, for this time. Right now, you're, you know, you are together in stuff. But you know what? You have your own race, and John has his own race. And both run it with all of me, all the best, until you receive the prize. So don't put your eyes on John as you're running the race. You put your eyes on me because if you look over at John, you're going to stumble because you're not going to, you know, finish well. And he, so he says, what is that to follow me? Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that the disciple would not die. Now, in other words, he didn't say that, did he? He didn't say John's going to last until the rapture. Did he say that? No. He said, you know, that's what they heard, though. That's what they wanted to hear. Oh, oh he's his favorite, so you know, he's probably not going to die, right? Right? Oh, Sure. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What also is the coolest thing about that is, look at that. Jesus himself says, until I, what? Declaration of his return. Right? Right there, baby. Declaration of his return. Until I return. Until I return. Right? It's coming back for us. Right? Until I return. A declaration that he will return. This is disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. And then this is, I love this part of, that John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And then I wrote in my Bible, I said, but you know, Lord, I'll have all of eternity to hear all the stories. Right? Right? Peter, Peter reinstated Reinstated, he received public restoration. Restoration from Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, sweetheart, Jeannie. I went to the Love and Respect concert this past weekend. Yes, yes. And um, one of the things that came out of it was how many times we got to relationships. And so even doing this is really important and, and because we have relationships between husbands and wives. Absolutely. So if you do the right thing in relationships, regardless of how poor you can, you know, it's being, like the other person's handling it, if you do the right thing, it's going to, um, so that you can be praising Jesus for it. And, and that's one of the things that we're not going to be married when we get to heaven. It says that what we're doing here in the relationship with Jesus really, we have to keep doing the right thing. And just hearing that, the first time there, these are all these relationship things, and even this, um, kind of reinstating him. But even just how Peter and John are relating to 
Exactly. 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 Instead of like almost a sibling kind of rivalry kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You never hear John saying this about Peter. Written down. You never hear it the other way. It's always, you know. But I mean, that's that's Peter. That you know, that's his personality. That's in, and and you know how God can use every single one of us, right? Every single one of us in that, and and not look at the other person and say, oh, I like the race that Deb's on. I want to be on your race, Deb. You know, or you know, I like the race that that um, Barb's on. I want to be on her race. I, I, you know, she's this. You know, you guys, it's the race. He has called us to that glorifies him as we continue to run the race to win the prize that's set before you. There's no better race. That's the race he has for you because he knows you. He knows you inside and out. And he's and he's he's you know, he delivers you in the race and he delivers you out of the race as you continue to run. Right? And how sweet is that? And that that's excellent. You're right, because it is all about relationship. That's the only thing that mattered. I remember the um, conference Brian and I went to in January in Madison marriage conference and uh, and and he, he would, I think, I'm sure that these guys share the same way because well, it's biblical but but as you're running the race you know, it's, it's your race before him and it, the more you become more and more like Christ, you know that's what matters in your relationship that I become more and more like Christ, okay, and then Lord willing, Brian becomes more and more like Christ. Okay, but even if Brian doesn't become more and more like Christ, I am still to become more and more like Christ. And that, even in our oneness, and that was extremely. You know, I'm not responsible for Brian. I'm responsible how I act before the Lord, and and in that is the acceptance of well, you know, Lord, if 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 you never change, if Brian never wants to change in you, the Lord change me. Just continue to change me. And that's what he does. That's what he does. He changes you time and time and time and time. And that's, you guys, that's all through the Gospels. That's what's happening to Peter. Right? He's just preparing him. He's preparing him to stand up and preach by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what? He's preparing him. Right? He's becoming more and more and more like Christ. Even though you see him stumble and this, this, and blurts out and does this. You guys, that is so sweet. That's all in the Word of God because that's who we are. That's who we are as, you know, human beings, frail human beings. But with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, he conquers it. I was sharing with a lady next to me and I was, um, no, I was sharing with Marilyn actually when we were coming home. She was sitting next to me in one of the flights. And um, I was sharing with her how, um, I think it was two years ago uh, at retreat, uh, but how the Lord so... Um, how, how our human being, our human frailty, okay, it, it's like it's like it's the fallen world, okay? But there's a property on this earth that keeps us on this earth, and it's called gravity, okay? The reason we're standing on that, you know, here's the outside of the earth, and I'm standing on the outside of it right now. I always visualize that, like my head sticking out, you know. Yeah, and like, it's a round earth, and here I am, right? All right, we're standing. Do you realize that? You know that, right? When you're standing on the earth, you're, it's a round earth. You're standing out there, right? Your head's popping out because it's a round earth, okay? And so we're standing, and what keeps us there is what? Gravity, right? Gravity. However, the airfoil of an airplane 
the airfoil of an airplane, when they discovered the airfoil property of an airplane, that physical property that they discovered, Wilbur, Orville, whoever, discovered, all right, discovered, that transcends gravity. Okay? That's just like the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are fallen creatures, right? We are sinners, saved by grace, okay? We have a flesh nature in us, but the Holy Spirit transcends that nature. We don't have to live in that just gravity anymore. We live flying, soaring with the Holy Spirit. He transcends it all. We are other with Him. We don't have to be just um, held to the earth. We are transcended by the Holy Spirit. Both properties are the same. I mean, are, are real. Yes, there's still gravity. Yes, there is still the pull of flesh in my life. But guess what? I got a transcendent Holy Spirit that's my airfoil, man. Right? My airfoil. And when you're sitting up in a plane and he's telling you you're at 37,000 feet, you are so thankful for that airfoil. And that physical property, you're like, and you look out and I stand up above the wing and you just look and you go, oh, this is a miracle. I mean, do you ever sit in an airplane and realize what a miracle this is? It's a miracle that we are up there eating peanuts and having a V8. I mean, are you kidding me? And whenever I see planes go above my head at our home, and I see the jet streams and everything, I just look up and I think of all those people who are in there, and I pray for them to let them know that, you know what, you are transcending this gravity, and that is just like the Holy Spirit. I pray you come to know. Because it's amazing. But that's how we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to live. Transcendent. Not held down by your flesh. And Peter, his life, shows it. All through the Gospels, the gravity was sort of taking effect, wasn't it? Right? The little flesh stuff and everything. Right? But at times it was getting less and less, and then it would get more. And then Pentecost, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Transcends all of it. Different Peter. Way different Peter. Same real funky, personable, you know, out there kind of guy. But now Holy Spirit led. And that's what our retreat, not about Peter, but that's what our retreat's going to be about October 14th through 16th at Fort Wilderness. Don't, you know, next week the brochure will be out and this week the mail spell box will be out. Make sure to sign up. Make sure to sign up. We're going to be, it's called Captivated, Led by the Spirit, and how we can live above, how we can live in that transcended area and not in the gravity. How we can live without this world touching us because he's taken us on this ride. That's the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what it means in Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's Holy Spirit, New Testament. That's Holy Spirit, New Testament. And that's what we're going to walk through. So, so uh, in closing, um, I want to read, I want to go back and then we're going to kick off into First um, um, Peter 1, verse 2 next week. Okay? <laughs> Do you like that? We we've now know who Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is. It's very important to know that. You do meet Pete. You do meet Pete. Otherwise, you just read through this and you'll realize who he is and how he's writing, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so we're going to go, and I want you to read, guys. I want you to read... Um, like First Peter, just read through it. Okay, continue to read through it and write down what the Lord is speaking to you on. So just see who these disciples are now in a nutshell. Matthew ten, 
Because this is the mission. Remember, it's mostly red letter, okay? So, but I want you to listen in, in closing what an apostle is and what God allowed them to do under his authority, okay? He called, meaning Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were the sons of thunder. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Now here it is, all red letter edition, right to the end. Now listen to the instructions that he sent out. Okay, remember, you guys, they're chosen... They're followers of Jesus. Okay, left everything, right? And now Jesus sends them out on this journey, okay? Their first outreach mission, all right? So he says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Okay, remember, Jesus first came to his own, says in Isaiah, in his own what? Received him not, Right. His own said, no, no thanks. Okay? So they were told to go to the Gentiles then. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse out those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Okay? Just go. Don't take long things that are going to sustain you or help you. You go. I'm going to be your sustainer. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. Meaning like, you know, how Jews would say shalom or grace and peace be with you. Okay, whatever your greeting is, being Gentile or Jew. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, meaning Jesus' words, the gospel, okay, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Okay, that was, that was tradition with the Jews. Even it was like, okay, you know, Pharisees even, they'd be like, okay, we're out of here. I'm not listening to that. They'd, they'd, make, they'd make it a visible, physical, out, that you'd see of a symbolic nature inside. That, okay, we're, we're moving on. Okay? I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah, we know what happened there, on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. Isn't that just precious? Right? At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end, what? Will be saved. 
When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs or in your courtyard, Joan. <laughs> do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one, capital O, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Okay. Now these guys are just getting ready to be sent out. Would you call this a motivational speech? <laughs> I mean, would you call this a, a yeah, let's go. You know, here's what we're going to do. This, this, this. This is not what you would call an encouraging, go get them, boys, <laughs> right, kind of speech. Okay? But this is what he shared, that because you are following me, this is what's going to happen. And I want to give you a little insight into that. However, as it's happening, you're worth way more than sparrows. And I will always watch over you. And I'm always, in other words, he would always go, okay, you're going to be persecuted, but this. You're going to be this, but this. And by the way, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Okay, did you know that? He didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. Which side do you stand on? And I'm sure in many of your families, it's a sword. Which side do you stand on? Oh, I'm in Christ. Uh, That's not peace. That's a sword. That's a sword. He came to bring a sword because you're either in his camp or you're in Satan's camp. There's no fence sitting. There's no fence sitting. You're either in one camp or another. And he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the what? Soul, right? Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is what they heard before being sent out. This is what 
Simon Peter heard. You know, this is what the rest, you know, of the eleven heard. And I and I read this, and I think about how they were given such explicit directions, and everything that was going to happen to them, and how and how they must have then talked amongst themselves. Imagine if all of us, twelve of us, were were chosen, and then Jesus. You know, gives us this speech, right, and tells us, and, and we know that this is this this is this charismatic teacher, and he's chosen us, and we're followers of him. And you know, I mean, at that point, you're like, really? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, remember, we're on the other side, okay? I mean, imagine what their scuttlebutt was. Imagine what this was. Imagine, but but the words of God, you know. Jesus Christ, Son of God, is just, they're penetrating. They're penetrating. They just, you know, they're words that bring life. They're words that, you know, will sustain. And they're penetrating. But at the same time, they're probably shaking in their boots. They're probably shaking in their boots. Because, you know, if, if you're giving a great big old speech, you know, and all of a sudden it's not what you really thought it was going to be, you know, or you get into an employment situation, and you think it's going to be this, and it ends up being that, and you're like, yow. And, and this is what this is who he was to be. And, and the, my favorite part in this whole um, speech that God's giving, that Jesus, Son of God, is giving him is saying, "Don't worry when you're arrested." By the way, <laughs> meaning you will be arrested. Okay, don't worry when you're arrested. Okay, um, don't worry when you have to go before the courts and everything, because I will tell you what to say and how to say it at that time. Right at that time, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. They had to be blown away by that. Blown away by that. You guys, these are the motley crew dudes of which Peter was one. Okay? That was, they were sent out, and here we are, 2,000 some years later. Here we are. Right? Followers of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus Christ, okay, followers of it, from that motley crew. Look how the Holy Spirit has taken off, taken off, because we are the beneficiaries of those guys falling hard after him. I mean, it just. It's just amazing to me. And then everyone who comes to Christ just adds on to all the disciples, all the disciples, all the disciples of Jesus Christ. Africa. Africa will soon be the most Christian country in the world. Africa, because of what's happening there. Because of the unbelievable visions and the dreams and everything and how, how you know, Jesus doesn't want... Anybody to perish, it says in Second Peter. You know that he doesn't want, or First Peter doesn't want anybody to perish, but the all will come. Okay, and so he is hurrying up, and he is self-revealing God, and he's revealing himself through visions as you're sleeping, Jones. Through this, and they will wake up thinking this, and they'll wake up just like C.S. Lewis when he walked on that bus and he got in that double-decker bus in in England, and he's like, "No, there's no God." And he got off the bus. He goes, "Absolutely, there's a God, and Jesus Christ is His name." I mean, it's through revelation that you come to Christ. Nobody 
tricked you. Nobody intelligently like walked you through. You came to Christ through revelation because of his initiation. He's always gone after you. He's always the hound of heaven. He's always been after you. He's always the pursuer. He's always the one going after you. And you were either going, no, no, no thanks, no, no thanks, running for him. And then he finally said yes. But he'll never give up on you. And he never gives up on anybody. On everybody. On anybody because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Only that they would come to Christ. And now Africa and in India, hundreds of thousands of people are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Not because, some because of missionaries and how they went out in the church, praise God, but mostly because of the self-revealing God. Once they're blind, now they see. And they wake up knowing that they know. Is that a loving God or what? Is that who He is? 